0: I seem fun. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman Podcast. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman Podcast, episode 251. Oh, I'm reaching for my water. Oh, Oh, episode 251. How are you? How are you? How are you today? Do you not know how you are yet? That's okay. I'm recording this one a little bit in advance. So if anything crazy has happened in the last week, uh, I don't know about it yet. So if you're like, why isn't she mentioning that Trump nuked Arizona? I don't know of it yet. I don't know. I can I have no time to pay attention to the news. Gerald. Gerald's my husband of 65 years. Gerald. I'm doing the um the I'm doing the radio show. He, d- I just call it a radio show I'm not trying to lie to him and make it seem like it's something it's not it's just trying to explain podcasting to Gerald I'm mean, <laughs> Gerald oh, Gerald no that's I need that pen Gerald give me that this Gerald I because I use who am I talking to I'm talking to you the microphone is because I'm doing my radio show Gerald there is a jar of pens over there there has been a jar of pens on the kitchen bar for 27 years, and 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 I, he he doesn't know he doesn't know anywhere anything is. You, if I drop dead, Gerald, you're not going to be able to find your asshole. Woo! See, good thing it isn't a radio show. I would have been beeped. I don't normally use bad language like that. You know I so... Okay. Um, okay, that's my alter ego. <laughs> uh, what i gonna say. <sighs> ah. 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 So here's this week's episode. How do you like it? Is it going okay? Oh, should we do the business at the end? I'll do the business at the end. See if you stick around for it. You know what I'm going to do? I don't feel like I have any thoughts in my head. You're like, really? I couldn't notice. Yeah, yeah, shut up. Um, so I'm going to read listener emails, and I'm going to read an article. Now, this article I'm pretty jazzed about. Um, This is perfect for ice Seem Fun. And when you hear what it is, it'll be like, oh my, I can't believe it. This is from uh, graziadaily.co.uk. Hang on one sec. Hang on one sec, bitch. I'm just checking email. Okay. Here it goes. Is being busy a I just stopped and checked my email. Oh, I know. This is classic I seem fun already. Is being busy a weird status symbol? Busy businesswoman. We'll say it this week. John Mulaney will allow it. Busy businesswoman. woman. busy, 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 here's the article. When I think about the never-ending list of ailments, most people reel off stress, not sleeping, feeling anxious a lot, a creeping apocalyptic feeling somewhere in the pit of their stomach when they wake up in the morning. I default to blaming it all on late capitalism, smartphones, social media, David Cameron, and Mercury retrograde. And while there's no doubt that celestial happenings, faceless economic forces, and corporations have a lot to answer for, I do wonder whether we need to stop outsourcing responsibility for it all and ask ourselves whether we're actually making ourselves too busy. Be honest with me and with yourself. Do you ever think that being busy is a good thing even though you moan about it? Do you really need to squeeze in that gym class before work, call a school friend at lunch, go for dinner with another mate when you finish, and then try to squeeze in a whack somewhere in amongst it all? What about that bit of extra work you've taken on? Do you need or even want to do it? Has being busy become a sort of warped status symbol? Have we blindly opted into the miserable capitalist conspiracy of being very busy women? Biochemist Dr. Libby Weaver. Ooh, I feel like Dr. Libby Weaver could give Dr. Barbara Persons a run for her money. Like if Dr. Barbara, Dr. Barbara Persons, she's a doctor and a lawyer and a doctor. Women can be doctors. Like if Dr. Barbara Persons is at home and she's like, I'm going over these papers. And you know, I am noticing Three of my patients in the last week who all work within a one and a half point zero zero six less than a mile radius of the Newsom power plant. Three people have come in with very similar symptoms a rash, nausea, and a slight vertigo. And each person has a very good excuse for all of these things. That, oh, I have. Uh, maybe my laundry detergent gave me the rash and it could be vertigo. I'm not drinking enough water. And I am noticing that I think there is a spill at the chemical plant. And so it's why this I have taken a leave of absence. Now who is Barbara talking to right now? Yeah, I'll tell you. She's talking to the head of the corporation, the Newsom Corporation. It is why I'm taking a leave of absence at my job as a doctor. Because I have another job, which is a lawyer. And I will be looking into your corporation because I think that you are letting chemicals in the basement leak out into the ground, which then seeps up into the air and people within a one-point-quarter half of a mile of a radius, can become sick. Now, I don't know how toxic this is or how bad it is, but that is what my law team will be doing. Well, Dr. Persons, that certainly is adorable that you think women can be doctors. Women can be doctors, sir. Okay, calm down, Dr. Persons. No need to get emotional here. If getting emotional is a sin... Then call me a sinner because nothing gives me more emotion, as you say in a pejorative way, than thinking of how we humans don't have any control over our lives as it is we are born without being asked, we die without being asked. And in between, you would only hope that you could be able to walk down the street and breathe relatively clean air. Now, what was I saying? I'm improvising this on a podcast, and I started thinking of the next thing, and what what, what was that now? See, now, Dr. Persons, uh, you get emotional, and you forget what you're saying. Now, I hear Dudley Dudley Dun- Dunfer as the president of Newsom Biocorp. I'm telling you, why would I let chemicals sit in the here basement that would leak out onto the streets if I'm sitting here in this here building. Well, I think that, um, we're on the 47,000th floor and, uh, it took me 14 hours for the elevator to get here. Uh, basically the amount of time it takes to fly to London, uh, with a layover in Atlanta for an hour from Los Angeles. So Mr. Newsom, I would tell you that you're so separated from the people, where the people actually are, that you don't know the consequences of your spill. But this, what we are saying, needs not to be discussed further between us. We need to be speaking in court, and that's where I'll see you. Here is your subpoena. Oh, Mister, Mr. Mrs. Persons, not Mrs. Persons, Doctor Persons. Oh, Doctor Mrs. Persons, this is certainly adorable. as you served me with some papers here? Um, uh, they do look uh, standard legal. I will show up in court, and I'm sure we can settle this now. Get your hand off my knee. Oh, I uh, apologies. I didn't know there was your knee. I'm getting older. I thought I was. I was grabbing my um, uh, well, a a uh, knee-shaped telephone that I have under my desk. I do apologize, Mrs. Persons. I'll see you in court. (sighs) Clump, clump, clump. She walks down the hall. Clump, clump, clump. She gets in the 14-hour elevator. The next day, she's walking down the street. She's pulling into the. Parking lot at work, her doctor's work, the hospital. And she walks in, and she's just getting her messages. But she reminds everyone at the front desk, because you know I will be taking the next week or two off, because I will be at my other job as a lawyer. Paging Dr. Libby Weaver, paging biochemist Dr. Libby Weaver. Hello, I'm Libby Weaver. Hi, you're Dr. Barbara Persons, aren't you? Yes, I am. Why? Women can be doctors. Oh, I know they can. I'm biochemist Dr. Libby Weaver. Um, I will be seeing to some of your patients while you're gone, and I heard you might be uh, digging into what's going on at Newsome Chemical. That is amazing. If you need any help, I do have a science degree, and I know a lot about what's going on over there. Well, Dr. Libby, I'm sure you know a lot of things, as do I. I'm a doctor and a lawyer, so... Uh, I I, I, don't, I don't need anything right now. <laughs> we don't need two women around here who are doctors and lawyers. I'm quite well known in this town, quite well known. Well, I think that's great, Dr. Persons. Uh, again, just call on me anytime you need anything. All right, well, maybe I'll find you on LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn? Oh, you are too funny, Dr. Persons, as if anyone of any note uses LinkedIn. Well, I have to get going. Bye-bye. something about her I don't trust. Because I trust women. I don't hate women. After all, I am one. I'm also a doctor and a lawyer. But I have a feeling biochemist, Dr. Libby Weaver. Isn't it who she says she is? (gasps) Dr. Barbara Persons. She's a doctor and a lawyer and a doctor. Women can be doctors. Ooh, that one almost got into like a superhero sci-fi area that I'm not comfortable with. Anyway, I'm reading the article about being busy. Biochemist Dr. Libby Weaver thinks the answer to all of the above is yes. You're like, above what? I don't know. I was reading something earlier. In 2014, she coined the term rushing woman's syndrome. That's not that creative. In a blog post and followed it up with a book on the phenomenon in 2017. Rushing woman syndrome has evolved out of my observation of a shift in women's health and behavior, with a U, over the past 16 years. Never before in my work have I witnessed so many females in a mad rush to do everything and be all things to all people. One of my oldest mates, Christina, relates. She is a freelance makeup artist. If I have a day when I don't have much to do, I will never sit down and watch a film, she explains. My boyfriend would absolutely do that, though. He'll pull the TV on... He'll put the TV on and watch whatever he feels like and take the time to chill out. The more we talk about it, the more we wonder whether there is a gendered element to it. In general, I think we have a bigger mental burden than men, Chris says. We're taught that you have to be a caregiver, whether that's for your friends, your partner, or for your home. And then on top of that, you need to be excelling at your job. And now with social media as well, you need to be able to show everyone that you're excelling. My sister once tagged me in a meme of a mother shouting at her children and maniacally redecorating her home with the caption, we've got people coming over for coffee. We laughed about it because it reminded us of how our mom would behave at the weekend after working all week and then coming home to raising a family and unpaid emotional and physical labor that comes with that. But now as an adult woman, I'm starting to question how funny it actually is. Dr. Weaver explains to me that part of the problem is the fact that women's admission to the workforce on a large scale is still fairly recent. It has happened in the last 60 or 70 years. Women were given the opportunity to do what had traditionally been their father's jobs while maintaining what were traditionally their mother's responsibilities, she says. As a result, what has unfolded for too many women is a frantic double shift of work day and night with very little, if any, rest. We've made more progress in the workplace than we have in the home. Essentially, a woman has multiple jobs when often men have just one. What I want people to deeply appreciate is that we are more than capable of doing all these things in the workplace and at home, but it is the first time in all of human history that we have asked our bodies to live this way. Uh, And for some people, this is resulting in health consequences that most people would describe as stress-related. Weaver thinks that being so busy and rushing around in an often ill-fated attempt to conquer a never-ending to-do list is making us ill. Rushing, both physically and mentally, results in us living in what is known as sympathetic nervous system dominance, where the fight or flight arm of the nervous system is almost constantly switched on. This is problematic because our bodies are not designed to be constantly switched on in this way, and it changes our biochemistry. For the entire time humans have been on the planet, adrenaline, one of our stress hormones, has signaled to the body that our life is in danger. So in a nutshell, if we are too busy, rushing around, and feeling stressed, our bodies are in a constant state of emergency, despite the fact that there is hardly a saber-toothed tiger chasing us down the aisle. We make adrenaline these days when we consume caffeine, or as a result of our perception of pressure and urgency. I think that's what it is. I mean, I, I know what this article is saying, but I sort of am like, all right, calm down. Like Women know how to be busy at home and busy at work. Um, we sort of excel at multitasking. I think everybody, men and women have, everything we're doing seems utterly important and utterly like has to be done right now. And it's hard to, you know, when emails come in, it, it's almost like you picture the person at the other end writing them, sitting there waiting for you to finish something. And it, it, it's even when you do that thing of, I'm not going to check my email until the end of the day, or, I'm going to check it. And then Get back to everyone later. It's still hanging over your head. I just think everything we do is a perception of urgency. Anyway, so I'll keep reading. For many, stress hormone production today is constant and relentless, and this can lead to many changes in our biochemistry, including digestion, blood pressure, our ability to sleep restoratively, and whether we burn body fat efficiently as a fuel or not. So what do we do? Perhaps it's time to start thinking hard before talking about how busy we are. Why are we rushing around all the time? With empty coffee cups, no less, everybody. Do we really need to take on all of the things that come our way? How much could we push back on? Another friend of mine was just willing just write something. My friend said, and then my other friend said, Another friend, Bia, who is originally from Brazil and works as a consumer behavior analyst, says she thinks that in this country we have definitely wandered down the dark path of conflating being busy with being needed and therefore successful. When I asked her to tell me honestly what she thinks about our culture of being busy, she said that she thinks business is a lifestyle choice. She sees it as, well, yeah. It's not like, you were born this way. I was born with a pen and a pen in my hand. I was that way, because I was born that way. No need to take out a... Okay. She sees it as something we are actively opting into, as well as a way of establishing a hierarchy and one-upping one another. The subtext is always that you must be important if you're busy and rushing around all the time. The latest OECD figures show that day-to-day women in this country, I don't even know what country I'm reading this from. I think it's Italy or the UK. I mean, Italy or London, I don't know. Women in this country spend more than four hours in unpaid work compared to men's 2.5 hours. And if that wasn't enough of a bitter pill to swallow, statistics released earlier this year also show that men enjoy five hours more leisure time than women every week. And I wonder, does that take the very unleisurely 18-pound, oh, it's London, 18-pound killer cardio class? This is the thing, is I think men do different things in their spare time together. And I think women, like, multitask hangouts with activity. I, I, I don't know. I don't fucking know. Human beings have always evolved and adapted to our changing environment. However, in the last few decades, Dr. Weaver says the advent of the internet, everything is the internet. I ain't got it. Mobile phones. And I know just because I hear something every 10 minutes doesn't mean it's a cliche. You know what I mean? I hate when I get like that. It's like, no, it's true. That's why I keep hearing it. Um, have meant that our environmentally that our environment suddenly demanded that our body, mind, and soul be available and on-call 24-7 and dealing with everything immediately. Hey, that's what I just said five minutes ago. I don't even need to read this article. I know everything. This, she says, is one of the greatest health challenges facing those in the Western world today. Being busy is not a given, it's a choice. So, uh, asking these questions could be one of the most revolutionary things you can do for yourself and other women. Are you too busy? Oh, that article was kind of a bust for me. I read a headline. I skim an article. I get excited. I start reading it on air, and I'm like, this blows. But it forced me into a Dr. Barbara Persons episode, which I know a lot of you have been just absolutely clamoring for clam, clam, cling, cling, clonk, 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 clonk. Jen, do you have an episode you're just going to make sounds into a microphone? I think I'm going to make sounds into a microphone. Okay. All right. Somebody, my listener email needs. I'm needed. I'm needed, everybody. Okay. This woman wants to know if her boyfriend issue is normal. I will still not understand why you people insist on asking me, the person not in a relationship, (laughs) relationship advice. Sure, I've been in 4,000, but, uh, no, I do have good advice, but come on. I mean, ask me how to decorate a home on the cheap or something. (sighs) Okay. Don't say my name, but it's okay if you accidentally do. Girl, I ain't doing that. I have a question. I'm 26, and my boyfriend and I have been dating for almost four years. Too young. Meet someone else. <laughs> Just kidding. From the beginning of our relationship, he has had a group of guy friends that he frequently, not excessively, typically one to three times per week, gets together with. That's a lot. One is fine. One to three, in, in when you're talking about how often do you have a glass of wine, Is one thing, but one to three, when you talk about getting together with friends to hang out, three is a lot. If you're a guy with a job and in a relationship to play golf, disc golf, video games, watch sports. This, in my opinion, is a totally healthy and normal thing and does not bother me. It bothers me a little. Three times is a lot. What does bother me is that I don't feel like girls have an equivalent to this. Oh, my God! This is what I was just saying when I was reading the article about busy business women. that that we, we don't go do things with our girlfriends that are leisure. We're like, let's get a manicure together, like a thing we would have had to do anyway. Let's take a bar class together. Let's take yoga together. Let's, you know... Like, do an errand together. I've, like, run errands with a friend. Like, do you want to go to CVS? I, I'm really busy. Um, I don't feel like girls have an equivalent to this. I have. A, I, by the way, I have no idea what her question is going to be about, and so far I've gone off on 90 tangent, so I'm sorry. I have a group of friends to spend time with, but we don't have something like golf or hobbies, sports that we enjoy and are motivated, excited, competitive playing recreationally that bring us together. When we hang out, we go get a drink, possibly our nails done. See, I taught, listen, people, God, I'm good. Or maybe take a workout class. See, what did I, I didn't read this in advance. Nothing super fun that actually motivates us to spend time together weekly or on a regular basis. We're all really busy. Oh my God, I did not put these together on purpose. I swear to God, I've been holding onto this letter forever. And I, I like, oh my God. Sorry, I'm just feeling a lot of the universe coming together. Um, We're really busy, so when we get together, it's usually when everyone, including our boyfriends, gets together to hang out on Friday or Saturday nights. My question is, is this something that you or other women experience or have experienced, and do you have any suggestions? It has been so long since I was in my 20s, I don't fucking remember a goddamn thing on the day-to-day that I did with any of my boyfriends. Um, As you get older, you do not have a group of friends that does anything, so that has not happened to me in a relationship in 15 years, but when I was in my twenties, I would date other comedians and we were comedians and we had day jobs and we spent our nights going and doing shows together. And then on the weekends during the day is like when I would see my girlfriends and like my boyfriends, well, not multiple ones at a time, but they would go do their thing. So I haven't personally experienced this, but I'm going to tell you that talk to your girlfriends about it and see if they, uh, Mind what you guys do for fun, because I'm going to say this: men do not have the same emotional availability or maturity with each other that women do. So women don't have to do activities together. We're not like, oh, it's gay if I just like. I could have a, I could call a girlfriend right now and go, just come over in your pajamas and sit on the couch with me while we we'll have wine. Two guys aren't going to do that unless there's a football game on, you know, or we're playing disc golf or whatever that you're doing. Um, women can just talk, like we want to bond together, and I know we might get our nails done, and we're also just busy, we've got little things left over that, that we have to do, you know, uh, now it's our choice we like to be pretty and, and work out and things like that, but you know, it's it's leftover stuff from from uh, the years of the patriarchy like, look nice little ladies, and how many hours we spend getting ready, or whatever so it's like, we still have those rituals we do, and, and you know we're bored with them, so you bring a friend along, you know, we're So I think it's just different. Like, men and women are socialized differently if we're going to generalize. And I think that we're not so far along where a 26-year-old isn't still experiencing the men in her life acting like the men in your 60-year-old mom or grandmother's life. You know, it's like men like to have things to do because... I don't think they would be as entertained as sitting around talking. They don't explore their feelings. It's just a gendered thing. Now, I don't know if you need suggestions for things for your friends to do. Do you girls like karaoke? Would you do like a karaoke competition? Do you girls like a book club? How about a book club? That always just evolves into drinking wine anyway, which is fun. Um, Could you take... A class together? Like, could you all take French lessons and you can sit around talking French? Or maybe you could just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, I don't know. Go volunteer somewhere together. I mean, whatever you do, don't make it as dumb as what your boyfriend and his friends are doing. Uh, Anyway, thanks, and I love your podcast. Courtney Loveless, she calls herself. It seems like you have one. I hope that was helpful. Do you know what's really helpful? Is what I'm about to tell you that the Fab Fit Fun fall box is here. I just got mine. Oh my god, all the good stuff in it. Fab Fit Fun is a seasonal subscription box delivered four times a year with full size. Bitch, full size, fashion, beauty, home, fitness, and wellness products for just $49.99 a box. And let me tell you, every box is worth way more than $49.99, well over $200 worth of items in that box. It's a great gift to give yourself or to a loved one. Do you have a daughter, a friend, a niece going to college? Friend who's a new mom? It's an amazing care package. So I just got mine. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. First of all, this month, this super great bath salts, not the kind that you do and you eat someone's face, not those kinds, like you actually sit in the bath. Full-size, this beautiful full-size skincare, super hydrating face cream, beauty brushes, one of those beauty blender sponges, a French press coffee maker, wireless headphones. Uh, God, so many things. There's, There's way more. There's way more. This box was Unreal. Unreal. The total retail uh, value of the fall box is over $275. Just making it official. I I just, it's like, this is, here's the thing. You're never going to get someone the gifts that they want. But this is a good gift because it keeps on giving. But they get so many things in just one box. And also just get one for yourself because The holidays are coming. You're going to be disappointed yet again with the gifts that you get from people that don't know you that well. And you're like, thanks. I love oven mitts. I don't cook. Get yourself the gift of FabFitFun. I'm telling you, here's what you do. FabFitFun.com, F-A-B-F-I-T-F-U-N.com to sign up and start getting the box for a life well-lived. Use promo code Kirkman to get $10 off the first box. The fall run is in limited supply. They always sell out. I mean, these are like fashion and beauty and wellness editors putting this together for you. You're having the the coolest things that are on the market right now. So, I mean, if you don't want to be cool, don't do it. But I think you want to be cool. $10 off your first box. That's only $39.99 with, again, you're getting well over $200 worth of stuff. FabFitFun.com. And use my code Kirkman to get $10 off your first FabFitFun box us welcome our new sponsor, Green Chef. Go to greenchef.us, G-R-E-E-N-C-H-E-F.us. It is a USDA certified organic company that includes everything you need to easily cook delicious meals that you can feel good about. The meal plans include paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, and carnivore. I know there's people in my audience that are thinking of going vegan a couple days a week. This, is, this will be the perfect way for you to start doing that. So, well, first of all, just for $50 off of your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us fun. Now, here's what's going to happen. How Green Chef works. Recipes are quick and easy. They have step-by-step instructions, chef tips, and photos to guide you along. They send a wide variety of organic ingredients and imaginative new recipes each week. Everything is handpicked and delivered right to your door. All the ingredients come pre-measured, thank you, perfectly portioned and mostly prepped. I mean, that's really the deal. I don't like when... First of all, I don't like following recipes when it's like, go get a bunch of green farb. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And now I have to have like an entire box of green farb, which I don't think is a vegetable in my refrigerator. I like green chef because everything comes pre-measured, portioned, and mostly prepped. They designed the recipes with gourmet, gourmet. This is a gourmet meal, gourmet flavor that you can typically only find in restaurants. The recipes range from global cuisines to classic comfort foods. Everything is thoughtfully sourced, and its journey is tracked from planting to plating. And it's easy to maintain a specialty diet and enjoy exciting new options. You can switch up your meal plan and change the box so that you are always getting what you want. I mean, this is win-win to meet people. Green Chef thinks dinner should be planned around your life, not the other way around. I agree. I cannot deal with, like, I just don't have four hours in the day to be thinking about dinner or, like, making it a thing. And, like, the ritual, that's great. I don't live in 1804. So let Green Chef do the meal planning, grocery shopping, and most of the prep for you week after week. Again, I'm going to need you all to go to greenchef.us slash fun. Greenchef.us. U.S. slash fun for $50 off of your first box. She said don't say her name, but she signed it Courtney Loveless. So I think that was her fake name. And I could probably see her name in the email, but I didn't copy and paste it. <sighs> Speaking of Courtney Loveless, I don't know. <laughs> this just came into my head. Um, two years ago now, I did the uh, Seth Rogen does Hilarity for Charity every year, and he raises money for Alzheimer's Research, which is a fantastic cause. And I did that show two years ago, and I'm sure I talked about it on the podcast, but um, I was just thinking a couple weeks ago, because I was listening to Bob Goldthwait on a podcast, and he was talking about um, his new show that he has, and I forget the name of it, but I do mean to watch it. Um, Bob Goldthwait, you might know him as Bobcat Goldthwait, comedian. Uh, that really rose in the 80s and was in the Police Academy movies and goes, oh, but he talks in his regular voice now and he's very funny and super fucking cool and, like, very spiritual and, like, an awesome guy. He used to be friends with Kurt Cobain and he'd go on the road with Nirvana and uh, Kurt just thought he was, like, the funniest thing and he would, like, open for them as, like, a comedian going on the road for them. And so, anyway, blah, blah. Um... When I did that show, Hilarity for Charity, I saw the lineup backstage. I saw the lineup of names of people on the show, and it said Courtney Love. And I was like, oh, my God, I've never met her. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm so excited I'm going to finally meet her. And I did meet her backstage, and I was with my friend Morgan Murphy, who's a comedian. And Morgan used to write on the Jimmy Kimmel Show, and Bob Goldthwait directed tons of episodes of Kimmel. And so Morgan said to Courtney, hey... I'm a really good friend of Bobcat's. And Courtney immediately, you know, she was getting ready. She was going to go on stage and sing the Time Warp. And she wasn't like fucked up or like on drugs. or anything. Like she seemed, I mean, who knows? I'm sure she was, maybe she's medicated or something. And she was having like some, I think she was having some whiskey or something, but she wasn't like, Bleh. you know, she was relatively normal. And uh, Morgan was like, yeah, I know Bobcat. And she goes, you do? And literally just, tears just spilling and she's like Kurt loved Bobcat he loved comedians so much and Bobcat was so nice to him and just treated him like a person and he talked about him so much he really wanted to be his best friend and I was just like oh my god Kurt who made those comedians <laughs> but she looked just so sad like it's just still so raw for her and oh god Okay, good story, Jen. Do you have any more? I sure do. I sure do. I have more to say. Her, her, her. <laughs> I think she's just going to keep making noises on this episode. Aha. So you remember a few episodes ago when I talked about the ghost? And I said that I... I didn't call it smudging. I just said I saged my place. Well, this woman wrote me and said it's called smudging as well, though, I guess. <laughs> this is the most neurotic email I've ever gotten. And I, and I say that with love. Dear Jen, I'm a longtime listener writing to you for the first time to thank you for your contribution to the cultural dialogue and tell you it has enriched my life. Thank you. I'm a 44-year-old busy science and medicine woman living in Northern California. Well, I hope you're coming to my show in Sacramento or my show in San Francisco, November 10th and 11th. November 10th, I'll be performing at Harlow's, and November 11th, I'll be at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco. Both are on my website right now, jenkirkman.com. Click tour dates. I will personally be selling books and and tote bags after every show, and I will sign it and take a picture. But I need you to buy tickets because I'm getting nervous about ticket sales. You know how it goes. I do this every year when I tour. Okay, thank you who works in the field of science and medicine. No kids, two dogs, happy almost birthday. Mine was in May. All right, she obviously wrote this a long time ago. I listened to your ghost episode yesterday, and it inspired me to try smudging for the second time in my life. The first time was pretty low-key. A couple years ago, I burned a sage bundle and a salad plate after leaving my now ex-husband. In the time since, my divorce has been finalized. My car was broken into. I got another dog. My house has been burglarized and I changed jobs. I noted while listening to your ghost podcast that I have been feeling energetically stuck. When you described smudging the apartment to deal with the ghost, it inspired me. Today I visited the Tibet Nepal gift shop in the college town where I live and bought both medium and large bundles of white sage, an abalone shell, and two clusters of amethyst because they were pretty. And the sky was made of amethyst. Sorry. When I got home, I put Beyonce's Lemonade album on and lit some sage in the shell. When it began to smoke, I moved purposely through the house. More smoke seemed better, so I kept lighting more and more sage. Ah, classic. One beer feels good. Why not 20? No. Soon, the shell got too hot to hold, so I grabbed an oven mitt to hold the shell and continued. I finished the house and decided to burn the rest of the sage in the backyard. Soon the shell was too hot to hold, even with the oven mitt, so I switched to holding the edges of the mitt rather than the bottom and kept going. I noticed a spot on the mitt began to smolder and turn black, but the playlist had moved on to RuPaul, and I was having fun, so I kept going. You better work, supermodel! Then an ember flicked out of the shell, landed on my hand, and burned me. I dropped everything, sage ashes, the mitt, and smoldering mini branches careened onto parched dirt. I then saw the oven mitt under the shell was blackened. I took a quick glance at the still smoldering sage, then grabbed the mitt and ran for the hose. Halfway to the hose, the smoldering mitt burst into flames. I dropped it on the patio, doused it seconds later with the hose, then ran to the hose to the spilled embers to douse them as well. My heart was racing, and I felt stupid and guilty for not being more careful doing this outdoors during fire season. Now paranoid, I walked through the whole house looking for smoldering embers that might set the house on fire. (laughs) Lady, I went back to the spots of the spill and the mitt and examined them closely to make sure the fire was really out. I wondered whether this smudge would still count and whether all the bad energy would be gone or perhaps had the bad energy won. Did this stressful ending ruin everything? I then went online and read some correct ways to do a smudging. I love that you did that after, Fire safety was mentioned, as well as the importance of letting the sage extinguish on its own. Yeah, that's right. So I don't hold a sage in some kind of bowl. I hold the end of it, like the way, like if you were to hold a, a, um, a breadstick, a baguette, a corn on the cob, and you just light the top, and you let it smolder, and you, and you keep doing it. And then when it's done, I usually just, yeah, I put it, um, like I have some candle holders that don't have candles in them anymore, and I put it upside down on one of those, and I just let it, Burn itself out. You're not supposed to wet it or anything like that, and uh, it usually goes out like within a half hour. Um, yeah. Nevertheless, just to, to clean up this mess, I took the very last sprig of sage and burned it in the tarnished shell to smudge the spot where I dropped the ashes. I also sm- Okay. Blah blah blah. Despite the drama, the house does feel cleaner. I turned my air purifiers back on, which may or may not negate the effects of the smudging. I don't think that matters you're removing energy when you smudge and it's energy. So it's, it's not like the air purifier is going to do anything or perhaps the bad energy that didn't make it out of the house. will just get stuck in the HEPA filters. I would welcome any suggestions you may have for the next time I do this. I would say, just do what I just said. This shell that you're holding and putting things in seems I've never heard of that. I don't, that's probably like the correct way to do it, but it seems impossible cause it's so hot or you would just want to put it on a table and not carry the shell around while it's burning. I don't know. But have a bucket of water nearby, you know, in case you need to douse. I mean, at least you have a hose. I mean, it sounds like it went pretty well for something totally bizarre. Uh. All right. I don't know. I thought I had more stuff for you. Stuff to you, for you. I thought I had... Okay, how about this? Uh, When I was in London this past summer, I noticed that there were urinals in the street. Broad daylight, men were peeing. And they were like, well, the World Cup's on. They have to pee. I'm like, they can't pee in a bathroom? Like, how come women don't have to have bathrooms outside? Men don't necessarily pee more than women. And I was just like... So it's happening in Paris. This is a, oh I don't know what article this is from, but you can Google it: men peeing in Paris. You could just Google men Paris urinals. Um, oh, it's from Vice.com. Locals pissed about Paris public urinals. Okay, Paris. This city, which has had a problem with men urinating in the street for centuries, started supplying public urinals in the 1830s, and it has often been a losing battle. Men, you sure haven't changed, have you? (laughs) In fucking hundreds of years. We're going to pee everywhere. That's not a French accent. Ooh, we're going to pee everywhere. Enter the echo toilet, or the eco toilet, the city's latest effort to stem street and alley urination. It has a dual purpose. It can grow plants and flowers, too. And it is cheerful-looking, if a bit bulky. Three echo toilets were installed with little fanfare, but one that was placed on the elegant and much-visited Ile Saint-Louis, I've walked down that street, I can't pronounce it, recently has caused the kind of public outcry that is a specialty of the French. Witty, politically strident, and focused on appearance. It's not very beautiful. Wait, why am I not doing it friend It's not very beautiful, said... Tiafini Bobot, who lives on that street, an island in the Seine. She was walking her dog near the quay. My hand automatically went into like a holding a cigarette motion as I'm reading this. She was walking her dog near the quay where the eco-toilet had been set up with a view of the river and a little sign explaining how to use it. I do not understand why they put it here, Ms. Bobot said. They could have hidden it. The urinal looks a little like a rectangular metal trash can, except that plants can grow out of the bright red top because of the fertilizing effect of the urine, which mixes with the straw inside the can. A small section that protrudes from the side shields men as they take aim. Kevoni Foutre, who described herself as a blogger, snapped a selfie with it for her followers. She said the idea of getting men to urinate into a box full of straw rather than on the street, was a good one. The execution, well, not so much. It's much better than those smells everywhere, Miss Foucher said, but it's not well done. It's aggressive. The red color makes it stand out too much. So I give these different characters of different voices. Some in the neighborhood agree with Miss Faltra and have asked for the urinal to be removed, but the local mayor, Ariel Whitewheel, Each Paris district has its own mayor, in addition to one who serves the city as a whole, said that while some fine-tuning of the location might be needed, since the urinal is visible from the Seine, it is not going to be removed. I have complaints all the time about people who urinate on the bridges, on the walls. Street urination is a real problem. Although almost everyone who lives in Paris, would agree, a tweet storm ensued after people caught sight of the eco-toilet. How come I can't see French Twitter? How come I can't see French Twitter? (laughs) Where can I go to see Twitter in French? Women pointed out that they could not use it, that they could not use it, though no one apparently noticed because women never squat in the street to relieve themselves. We sure don't. We sure don't. What's more, said Bashir-bagged Gons in a tweet, the city seemed unfazed about putting urinals in the middle of the street, but when a woman gives her breast to her infant, everybody criticizes her. Others said it was, are these accents killing you? Others said it was unsanitary because there was no place for men to wash their hands. Why don't we just put bathrooms outside? Why don't we make the whole world a toilet? Several people worried that it had been placed too near a school and would draw exhibitionists. Listen, if you're an exhibitionist and you want to take your dick out, you don't need an excuse. Well, the toilet was here. You'll do it anyway. Faltazi, the company in Nantes, France, that makes the urinals, said that placing them where everyone accepts them is essential to winning public support. The placement, said Victor Massip, a designer at Faltazi, who created the concept... Says it has to be a sort of social compromise between the locals, the na- oh I my accent. It has to be a sort of social compromise between the locals, the night owls, and the city halls. The enemy is not the urinal, he said. It's the urine everywhere. In Nantes, city officials have installed eight urinals in consultation with city residents. He said, in the Rue de la Blatterie the street which was deemed the most putrid. Just one toilet collects 140 liters every three days. That's 280 people who peed. Imagine that in the street. Paris cannot be faulted for lack of imagination or effort in trying to combat public urination. Going back to the 19th century, it has tried public pissoirs and vespasiennes that had places for as many as five or six men at a time. Pissoise, that is the greatest word I've ever heard. More recent models in the mid-20th century had room for one or two men. Still, public urination has stubbornly persisted, with Paris making it a priority to remain among the world's top tourist destinations, touting a reputation for elegance and romance, city officials thought it just would not do to have the strong whiff of half-dried urine wafting up from the Pont des Actes. Over the past few years, Paris has installed more than 425 unisex bathrooms, including 150 that are accessible day and night. It also set up another 34 portable public toilets. It has tried disincentives to public urination, installing a mirror in one neighborhood so those who relieve themselves have to see themselves. Look at yourself. Ooh, look at yourself. Look at vous. Ah, oui. As you pee-pee. You'll have to CC yourself. I'm sure people especially if they're drunk, they're like oh, look, look at that. I'm just gonna make sure I got nothing in my teeth. Then I'm gonna not wash my hands and go right back to my date. Uh, city officials have also made it a civil offense. They have dedicated thirty two hundred agents, oh my god, including three hundred and twenty, who patrol day and night to search for people urinating throwing cigarette butts on the ground or defiling paris's public spaces in other ways some strategies have been unsuccessful in 2015 officials experimented with hydrophobic paint on walls along the street that would send urine back onto the offender's shoes oh my god that's crazy so you're peeing on the the street and it's you're like kind of peeing up against a wall but there's this paint on it that makes the pee splash back on your shoes how is that even like i I can totally comprehend how we got to the moon. Totally comprehend it. The paint, I can't comprehend. But the painting project deemed too expensive was dropped after a couple of months. The Eurotatoire, what, may have its critics, but several men passing by one on Tuesday said it was probably not a bad idea. Well, of course they're going to say that. mostly a good thing, seeing the incivilities of Paris, said Ben Belkassime who said he lived close to the one on Ile-Saint-Louis. "'The placement isn't the best. "'It could be more discreet,' he said of the urinal there. "'But this is rather good after a beer in the evening. "'After one beer, you have to pee in the fucking street? "'My God! "'Everyone, why don't you get your bladders checked out? "'You shouldn't be peeing this much.' "'A British tourist, Stuart Clark, "'said he could envision using the new urinal, "'but only at two in the morning, not in the daytime.' "'That was an Australian accent.' Um, Emma Bubala contributed reporting. People can read more about it on Vice. Vice Vice.com. Oh, I wrote that note to myself, and I'm reading it out loud like it's a thing. What a dumb bitch. Whew. I just realized how hot it was in here. And that is because I have a winter hat on for no. Oh, Jen, you are so silly. I am just so silly. I can't even take it. All right. Let's see if there's any more. I'm going to go blind. Blindly going into listening emails. Yeah. I guess she's just going to sing through this whole fucking episode. Okay. Okay. Uh. People are still very scared about the ghost episode. Listen, people. Me too. Me too. Oh, what was this woman saying? Um. I don't know. I can't. Some people write me really weird things, and I'm like, are they nuts? Are they nuts? They might be nuts. Uh, Okay. I swear to God, I'm going to find one. I'm going to find one. I'm going to find one. I'm gonna find one. God damn it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh this guy, Jen, I enjoy your comedy and general outlook, even an old fart. Like me, I can relate with much of what you talk about, especially observing our fellow humans, and in particular, the inept customer service, seemingly in every situation. I find myself going back in my day, we knew how to fix a problem and retain the customer's confidence. People were trained. (laughs) Today's show, you had a listener email, this is back early August, about pushing the crosswalk sign out of habit, even if there was somebody already there. Same goes for elevators, so I know how she felt. But if you listened to her, she said she did not, she did not press the button. Oh, maybe she did. Anyway, I really wanted to ask about something. We interacted on Twitter, on your I Seem Fun account before, but when I went to tweet something to your Jen Kirkman account the last time you were on Stephanie Miller's show, I saw that I was blocked. I honestly don't know what I would have said to earn that, and I'm truly sorry. Again, my apologies. If you'd like to review it, that would be great. From Ross. I literally block hundreds of men every month, and I don't look at your names or study your account. I don't remember any name ever of anyone I've blocked. It seems so personal, but I like legit have no idea of any of you are, you know. Uh, You say you're an older man and you watch Stephanie's show. I do remember a couple older men uh, making sexually weird remarks to me or she's too young for me or good looking. I don't know. It was weird. And I just block any guy who mentions my looks or says something that's like a come on because I'm trying to only interact with men who talk to me about my work and uh, any man who talks to me in a way that would be different than how he talks to a man gets blocked. So that's probably why. Um, And so since I don't know how to go find your name on Twitter, I guess you're going (laughs) to stay blocked. So I hope you learned your lesson, young man. Gee, Jen's, it was a pretty interesting podcast, she had a Courtney Love anecdote and fun letter from that lady who was smudged wrong and mm, interesting article about the urinals, and she was just a cunt to someone. Yeah, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Okay. Hey, someone wants to offer something about sweet young people. Jen, I'm 35, so apparently I'm the oldest possible millennial, though I feel connected to the stuff you say about Gen X as well. And I love reality bites. Oh, I mentioned that last week. Anyway, I teach musical theater camps all summer and worked one week with three new young early 20s teachers. I felt like I spent the week complaining about the kids and my aches and pains and the heat, and these teachers were super helpful and lovely and fun. To clarify, I do think I'm a good teacher and I care very much about the kids and I love my job. I'm just tired all the time. At the end of the week, I received a thank you card from one of them thanking me for my advice and warmth throughout the week. Wow. Someone in their early 20s writing a thank you card. Then when I got home, another one of them Facebook messaged me to thank me for all my help. Well, not as good as a card. Saying he couldn't have gotten through the week without my support and advice. Then I got a text. I like it's like in order of um, impressive. Like, oh my God, a handwritten card, Facebook message. That's a text. You know, it's like in order of, I don't know what the word is. Then I got a text from the other one saying she was so excited to work with me and was grateful for the opportunity. So there you go. That's three fairly young adults who are competent and willing to work hard and learn at their jobs and who were so polite that they wrote thank you notes for a week of me doing my job. I hope this feels like a nice balance to the stories of those incompetent, apathetic youngsters that you meet and hear about. It is. Thank you. I think that's fantastic. Look at you. Making a difference. Telling me about the young people. Anyway. Uh... What else? Oh, we talked about uh, other languages in another podcast. I was like, does anyone who speaks another language listen? This woman wrote, I love your podcast. In response to... You asking if you have any listeners that speak other languages, I thought I'd write in since French is my first language. Oh, you must have loved my accents that I just did. I'm from Montreal, so was my nana, Jeanette Cotamouche, and live in Miami. It's been a tough transition, especially since my parents didn't really talk to us, talk us through this whole whirlwind of, wait, what? It's been a tough transition, especially since my parents didn't really talk us through this whole whirlwind of culture shocks, and I was only 12 to 13 at the time. By the way, hearing you speak French is so refreshing. <laughs> when did I speak French? Your pronunciation is on point. Not true. Take it back after you heard everything I just said in this episode. I'm telling you, how weird. I am just scrolling through emails. I did not even know what this one said, and it happened to be about French, and it Do you guys feel the universal syncopation here? I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. By the way, hearing you speak French is so refreshing. Your pronunciation is on point, and you show reverence for the language. Oh, well, I do review the language. I think it's the most beautiful language in the world, and I studied it for years, and I suck at it and can't remember a fucking thing, and I love it. It's sweet. Really motivates me to keep practicing so I don't lose it. Please keep practicing. Et also, knowing in other languages made me fascinated with world, with wordplay, puns, hence why I love British humor so much, haha, and being curious about other languages as well. I took on Spanish because, well, Miami and Korean is so intriguing. Sounds beautiful to me. Thanks for reading. I'm so grateful to be able to communicate you, with you. You're like Big Sis Jen. The bitch gotta go. Call me old at the end of her letter. Okay, thank you. You're welcome, lady. Um. Yeah, keep studying that francais. Really sorry about my accent. Um. All right. I don't have anything else to say. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm giving a shout out to Chase. I cannot read your whole email, but I'm very sorry about your aunt. And uh, we're all giving you big hugs. And uh, thank you, everybody. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just now. I'm just reading my email, and I'm. Still talking, hoping it makes sense. And it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. All right, kids. you the best. you the best. You're the coolest listeners in the world. Oh, I didn't do the business. Let's do some business. At I Seem Fun Podcast on Twitter. Facebook.com slash I Seem Fun Podcast. And if you go to the pinned post On the Facebook page, you will find the closed I Seem Fun podcast group of fans of the podcast. Come see me in Burlington, Vermont at the Vermont Comedy Club, October 11th through 13th. I will not be there next year because I'm there this year. So this is when you're going to come You're going to come this year. I tour for a living. It's all I want to do. If you don't buy tickets, then I don't come the next time. Does that make sense? I have no idea that I'm popular as a touring comedian unless you buy tickets. So this notion that, oh, I'm always going to tour. So I don't have to go. No, you have to. It's like voting. You have to vote or I don't know. So that I don't know if tickets are on sale yet for my Brooklyn show, but you can go to my website right now, JenKirpin.com. Click tour dates, November 5th at the bell house. It is going to be fun. I'm doing old stuff, new stuff, improvised stuff. Come to the Jen Kirkman Dysfunctional Christmas Show. It is already on sale December 6th at the Hollywood Improv. Get tickets. They are actually selling already. And bring a children's book with you to the show. And my little show called Lab Test, where I work out new stuff. It is happening in September and October in Los Angeles in a small, intimate room. Come see me. After every show I am doing everywhere this year, I will be... um, either selling merchandise or available to take a picture or whatever, and I will be in San Francisco and Sacramento as well, which I mentioned earlier in the episode, please go to jencragman.com, click Tour Dates, and just buy up all those ticky, ticky, ticky tickets. Buy the tickets, please. Until next week, have fun.